Okay, we're beginning here on the top of Nun Dalad Amanalif with the final parak in Brachot. A person who sees a location in which miracles were performed for Klai Yisrael. So the Bracha, as Tosfot lays out here, includes Shemin Machut. It's not simply Baruch, like it said here in the Mishnah. The Mishnah is just giving you the shorthand for what a normal Bracha is. And therefore it should have Haskarat Hashem Machul, which means Baruch Atah Hashem, Adokeinu Melech HaOlam, Sha'asa Nisim Lavoteinu Makom HaZekom, Shenekrami Menu Akum, place where Avodazar was uprooted in Eretz Yisrael, Omer Baruch Shakar Akum Me'artzeinu. Obviously because of the possessive form of Atzeinu we're talking about in Eretz Yisrael. So suppose it brings the Yushami, the Yushami says it's not the case when we're talking about simply one place of Avodazara, but rather... Once it's cleared out of all Eretz Yisrael, that's the type of bracha that you make. Not simply when it's removed from a single location. Al hazikim, on shooting stars. Vela zo'ot, on earthquakes. Vela ramim, on thunder. Vela ruchot, can translate it simply as winds, but probably storms. Vela brakim, and on lightning. Omer baruch, shekocho, ugvurato, male olam. So the reason for the bracha, as Rashi points out, male olam, is because elu near in o nishmaim lemerachok or lemerachak that they don't have limits to the distances that they reach. Even though the lightning is far away, people can see it from a large span, and therefore it's shukocho gvurato maleolam al hearim valigvaot on the mountains on the peaks valyamim on the seas vialan niharot and on the rivers vialamid barot and on the Deserts, Omer, Baruch, Ose, Masebreshit, we have Baruch, Ose, Breshit, Gonsim, Surat, Hashas, Edzin, Masebreshit. So the Rashi points out, and the Gemara is going to address, then what, the rest of them are not Masebreshit? These are only Masebreshit? That's number one. And number two is with regards to the Neharot, rivers. Why would you make a bracha on rivers? All over the place, rivers. As Tosfo points out, Ela Arba Narot, Bikra. Four rivers that are mentioned in the Pesuk, that's the bracha you make on them. Four that are mentioned in Ganadin in Sefer Breshit. And then we have the qualification of Rabbi Yehuda, which is Rabbi Yehuda Omer. Aroet Yam Agadol. Someone who sees the Mediterranean, Omer Baruch Shasat Yam Agadol. Bizman Shiro'eo the Prakim. At the times that he sees it on an infrequent basis. And the definition of infrequent, Yerushalmi says, is 30 days. Every 30 days you would make a bracha. Tosafot says that that applies to all of these brachot. Not just to the bracha with regards to what we just listed here, but all the brachot you need a 30-day interval before you'd make the bracha. Now some of them which are events, not static, talking about lightning or thunder or something like that, there maybe you'd make bracha even more than every 30 days because the event is different and it's not a static event. But we're talking about things like a location where nasebo nisim, or you're talking about the rivers, the yam, all these things that are static, then it would require a, every 30 days to be the interval before you would make the bracha again. Also, the Yama Gadol gets its own bracha, meaning as distinct from the other locations because of its uniqueness and its special standing with regards to Eretz Yisrael. So the Mediterranean gets its own bracha, even though we already had the bracha for Yamim. And this is Rabbi Yehuda, the Shitato, a little bit, which is we saw before, Rabbi Yehuda says that the bracha has to be Yom Retor Mefurat. So that early in the Prakim, that Rabbi Yehuda likes the bracha to be more detailed rather than more... General. Alak Shamim, Vela Tovot, on rain and good news, Omer Baruch Hatov Vamitiv. Al Shmuot Raot, Omer Baruch Dayan Hemet, bad news, say Baruch Dayan Hemet. Bana Bait Hadash, Vikana Kilim Hadashim, Omer Baruch Shechianu, 
V'chi'imanu v'higiyanu l'zman hazeh. These are all pretty straightforward. Good news, you say, Atov v'meitiv. The Gemara will later define that it has to be something that is good for you and someone else. Because Atov v'meitiv is both good to you and good to others. That's why the Gishamim are included in that. Dayana emet is for bad news. Mostly what we focus on is death. Or news of death. The Bayit Chadash and Kanei Lechayim Chadashim, which are personal excitement and tov, there you say, Shechachiyanu v'kiyamanu v'giyanu l'zmanazet. That's a specific bracha for the individual's celebration of something good. Mevarech ala ra'am e'en ala tova, v'ala tova me'en ala ra'am. We'll get to that in the Gemara. You make a bracha on the bad, just like you make it on the good. And the good, you make similar to what you make on the bad. But so'eg shalavar is a tefillat shav. Someone who cries out about something that's already happened, that is a tefillat shav, important to... Mishnah and the Gemara will also take this up. His wife's pregnant. My wife should give birth to a male. That is a meaningless, worthless tefillah. Because we know that gender was already determined at the time of conception. And to change it after the fact is a tefillah shav. The Gemara will challenge that. There is another day in the Gemara that would suggest otherwise. At least, that's one example. We have other examples of Tfilot Shav, for instance, Baba Derech, Shema Kod Bayir, person's coming, traveling back home, and he sees crying or screaming in the city. It shouldn't be in my house, or they shouldn't be my family that this is happening to. Again, there is it, Tfilot Shav. Again, it's a Tfilot Shav, because whatever's happened, happened already. So to dive in that it shouldn't be with regards to one's personal property or their family is meaningless at that point in time. Now obviously when there is natural disaster or there is fire or something else which has continuum to it, it's not, ends at one point, then maybe there would not be a tefillah shav. Here we're talking about a discrete event and hoping that that discrete event, not hoping, but davening that that discrete event would not be with your family, that's a tefillah shav. Because whatever happens, happened, try to change the past, is considered to be a tefillah shav. The Rishonim here define tefillah shav, and it's important where there is no chance. If there is no chance, and in all likelihood something will not happen, that is considered to be a tefillah shav. And we always talk about that in medical conditions, in uh, situations where it's a very difficult situation. We say, even if he has a sword above his head, he's still David. But it has to be within the context of reasonable percentages or probability that this thing can happen. If it's 99% that it won't happen, then davening might be a tefillah shav in that situation because you're davening for something that is completely unlikely and you're asking for a miracle in that sense. And that may, most likely is a tefillat shav, or something that should not be requested. It has to do with the difference between accepting what has happened versus dominating to change what will be in the future. It's not always a clear line. There is a grayness to it, and so it's not always objectively clear. But the difference between trying to change what happened already and trying to rectify or amend the future and what is allowed is to daven for the future. What's not allowed is, or is impossible is to change the past. That is what the mission is addressing over here is that you have to determine when something is foregone conclusion versus when there's something where it has a probability that it can be changed or the outcome can be changed. And obviously, even within medicine, there is gray areas. There are times probabilities, better probabilities, lower probabilities. For instance, if one is already, someone's reached brain death already, the daven that that person should survive, right, that's a unlikelihood. It has to be a nice nigle before someone will survive that. So that's a tefillah shav. I mean, that's always clear. But there is something avar, and sometimes people don't give in at that point. Obviously, it's an emotional time. It's not easy. 
But here the Mishnah is laying out the parameters by which something is considered to be in the past and where something is considered to be in the future. And if that's the krach, mitpalel shtayim. person comes into a city, he's traveling, and he travels, he's passing through the city. The city is described by Rashi is a city that mitsuyim mushlim ra'im u'michapsim alivot. It's got bad rulers. They look for excuses to prosecute, to grab people. So this is not the type of city that you want to go through so often. So mitpalel shtayim. Achat b'knisato, v'achat b'yitziato. And you have to do one on his way in, and one on his way out. One on the way in to daven that things won't go bad. One on the way out to thank Hashem for crossing through the city in safety. Ben lays out a principle. Ben Omer, Abba, you have to daven four times. Two on the way in and two on the way out. And they both have the same structure, which is, Thank for the past. So, Eikalatid. And you call out in the future. This is the same framework that we just had before. Which is when you daven for the past, it's all about saying thank you to Hashem. When it's talking about the future, that's when you can be tzalek. That's when you can call out to Hashem for asking things to be different. It says in the context of entering the city, one is tzalek. You ask Hashem that it should go smoothly. When you've entered the city smoothly, you say thank you Hashem. You exit the city, then you, or you daven within the city to exit safely. And then you say thank you when you've left the city. Or the other way around, if you've left the city, you say thank you and you're tzalek for the remainder of the journey. Whichever way the structure is, but you have to always thank and David. They're part and parcel of each other. You have to always acknowledge that you've gotten a certain distance or a certain way and thank Hashem for that. And then you David for what's coming up or the dangers that you will face. Chayav Adam Ra'a, Person has to give bracha both on the good and the bad. And obviously it's phrased in that the bad, just like you do by the good, it's obvious that you would give Sheva Chodah to Hashem on the good, question is, by the ra'ah, whether you'll do that, and that's what the Mishnah is demanding, that you give the same bracha to Hashem ala ra'ah. Shnei'amar, v'hafto at Hashem l'kecha b'chol uvavcha. B'chol uvavcha is b'shnei yitzrecha. B'yitzer atov, u'b'yitzer hara. To give fully to Hashem. U'b'chol nafshecha, afiluhu notel at nafshecha. And with all your soul, means even if it takes your life. That's the story of Rabbi Akiva, which will come up in the Gemara now in Brachot. U'b'chol me'odecha, this is what Mar's after is, even with all your possessions, for every midah that Hashem presents to you, you have to be modelo, you have to give thanks to Him. That is both midah ha-tova and midah ra'a. And that's the proof that the Gemara is bringing to the statement that you have to make a bracha l'arach, shim v'recha l'tova, because it says, b'chol me'odecha, b'chol midah midah shumadeh d'cha, no matter what Hashem presents you with, you have to say, thank you. So then it looks like the ratio is laying out the different brachot, and then here it comes back and you see it's starting to lay out principles. This is not one Mishnah. In the Mishnayot, this is multiple Mishnayot that have been compressed and put together. Person should not be lighthearted, act in an inappropriate manner, to the eastern gate to the Harabait, because the eastern gate on the entering Harabait were lined up. The eastern gate is lined up with the Shar Ezrat Nadashim. Shar Ezrat Nadashim is lined up with Shar Nikanor, which is the Shar Ezrat Israel, which is lined up with the Ulam, which is lined up with the Petach Ha'echal, which is lined up with the Kodesh HaKodeshim. So one should not be lighthearted, act in a manner that would be inappropriate there, because he's basically looking straight into the Kodesh HaKodeshim. Shum Kuvan can make a big Kodesh HaKodeshim. V'lo yikanes l'arabayit. One may not enter Harabayit b'maklo, with his staff, u'bimina'alo, 
with his shoes, and with his money belt. And also, if he can enter barefoot, he has to at least wash off the dust that is on his feet. Should not make it into a shortcut. And one may not spit. That is a kavachomer. Kol chutmei brachot shemigdash ayomrim ad olam. In the mikdash, there was a special bracha that was made, as opposed to what we say baruch ata Hashem elokeinu melech haolam. They used to have a bracha which was baruch ata Hashem elokei Yisrael ad olam. Mishikulklu ad stukim or mishikulklu aminim, whatever the original was in the Mishnah, it's been obviously redacted by some of the censors. Vamru. Ain olam elayachad, and they denied that there was an olam abad, that there was only this world. Nitkinu shiomrim min haolam viad olam. So they changed the bracha to include two olamot. That way, there would be no question about that. And therefore, the bracha read Baruch Ata Hashem Elokei Yisrael min haolam viad haolam. So as opposed to the original bracha, which was Baruch Ata Hashem Elokei Yisrael ad olam, now they changed it to Baruch Ata Hashem Elokei Yisrael min haolam viad olam. Now Rashi says that they said Baruch again, Baruch Hanen Adat. They said Baruch again, it's not clear that whether that is the case, whether you need to have a Baruch again. It could have just ended, Baruch Tashem Elokei Yisrael Menolam Yadolam, Hanen Adat. Rashi adds in an additional Baruch, which is interesting. Kal that was there would answer Baruch Shem Kavod Malchutol Yadolam Bled. There was no Amen in the Megdash. Rashi claims that Hitkinu was Ezra B'Siato, that was Ezra and his contemporaries that put together the bracha in that way, because there arose those people that were kofer b'tchiyat ha-metim. So actually places this historically with the time of Ezra, time at the beginning of Bayit Sheni. Kino, sheyehei adam shu'el et shalom chavero b'shem. They also remember takein, that people could, and maybe should, ask shalom from each other with the shem Hashem. The Mishnah brings proofs to this, shenemar. B'nei bo'az so when he comes and greets the harvesters that are working for him, he says, Hashem imachem, and they respond to him, Yivarechach Hashem. It's actually what the Spardim do when they come up for an aliyah, that's how they open their aliyah. The person who is coming up for the aliyah says, Hashem imachem, and the Kaal responds, Yivarechach Hashem. But this idea that you should be Shu'el B'Shem, give a greeting to your friend with the Shem Hashem, we don't say the number one that's mizalzo b'kvotchimakom because you're using it for kavod abriyot, but rather it's a proper usage of the shem Hashem and might even hint. I mean, the whole idea of recognizing Hashem in the cordiality of, it, of human beings shows that Hashem is involved in everything. It's an acknowledgement of Hashem. Omer, we have another example of this is by the malach that appears to Gidon. He says Hashem imcha gibor chayil, and he uses the shem Hashem in greeting Gidon. Vomer, and it also says, Va'atavuz, kizakna imecha. Do not despise, disparage, because your mother has become old. The Gemara will discuss, but you have to learn from the zikne umatecha, that what they did is a paradigm for what you do. And Boaz did this, the Malach did this, we have other examples of this. Don't negate that. Do not despise that. They are the paradigms which we should follow. Vomer, and then here it says, Eit lasot Hashem eferu toratecha. There's a time to do for Hashem that allows us to nullify the Torah. Vinatun Omer says it in a different way, comes to the same conclusion, which is, Heferu Torah one may nullify the Torah, Mishum Eid Lasot Hashem, for something that is Eid Lasot Hashem, which is obviously the source for the writing down of Torah Shubal Peh. Mishnayot, the Gemara, written down, even though they're supposed to be Torah Shubal Peh, is based on this Pasuk, Eid Lasot Hashem, Heferu Torah Techa. Also, as Rashi writes, 
says that's what Hashem wants. So they're not using it here in the sense of but sometimes it's the time to do for Hashem is meaning that you do something that looks like you're being made for the Torah. Not here literally. Looks like you're using the shame of Hashem inappropriately. But nevertheless, it's that's what Hashem wants. So you, you do what Hashem wants even though it feels like or that it's not appropriate. Alright, so now Rashi's gear says, The Gemara begins with, How do you know you make a bracha and an ace? And that's on that, the Gemara says, And then we have, When Yitro gets news of what happened to B'nai Yisrael, I mean, Moshe tells him all the miracles that transpired, says, Baruch Hashem, He begins with a bracha. So see, we see a paradigm is someone who hears about an ace and he gives brocha to Hashem. Anisa did Rabbi Mivarchinan, Anisa Diachi do Mivarchinan. Say, wait a minute, on an ace of the public, you only make a bracha. On an ace of an individual, you don't make a bracha because the example given in, in the Mishnah is Aroya Makom Nisim Li Israel. And the source as well that we brought is talking about miracles that happened to all of B'nai Israel and Yitro's response to that. But the indication from this, or the implications of that are, if an individual had an ace take place to them, that they would not make a bracha. This person who was walking along the place called Aver Yamina, he was attacked by a lion. Some miracle happened that he was saved from this lion. He came before Rava. Anytime you pass that location, make this bracha of Shasalinais Bumakomazet. Umar Bray de Ravina, Abakazel Bepitka de Aravot. He was going in the valley of Aravot. Sachalamayo, and he became thirsty. He needed water. It Avadai Nisa, there was a miracle that happened. Evrele, Aina de Mayo, a spring of water per throat. The Ishtay, and he drank. Vitu, Zimna Chada, Abakazel Beriskita de Bechoza. He was traveling on the Shuk of Mechoza, Venafalai Gamla, Prita. This wild camel attacked him. It parkale ashito. He a wall fell down or broke down for him. Al the gava he was able to escape into the house through the wall, and he was saved. Kimatel aravot when he got back to this location in aravot. Baruch he used to say the bracha Baruch shasalines baravot ubegamal, putting aravot first because that was the location he was in and adding in of the gamal. Kimatel the distka de mechuzah when he got to the shuk of mechuzah Baruch then he would make the bracha Baruch shasalines begamal. So you see that there is this bracha that relates to an individual, a miracle that's done to an individual, not just for that which transpired to B'nai Yisro, or to the Rabbim. So my answer is that I'm right. We're talking about a nace that happens to the public, happens to Kaisal as a whole, then everyone is obligated to make a bracha there. On the other hand, if it's a miracle that transpires to the individual, that individual is chayav to make a bracha. If you look in the gra. The old Aleph in the grass says, meaning it's a familial thing. It's not just him, but his children and his children's children. It's something that is familial. It's part of this individual and his descendants. But it doesn't include anyone else, as opposed to something that happens to the public at large. Then even if you were not a participant, you do have to say the bracha in that location. Just like if you see a nace that happened to Klali, so everybody makes the bracha, even though you weren't there, even though you weren't a part of it. Tarabanan. Mavrotayam. Now the right here is going to list out a number of locations where miracles happen to Bnei Israel. 
and places that are known. In those places, when you pass them, you have to make a bracha. One of them is Marvota Yam Yam Suf. This is Kriyat Yam Suf. Marvota Yardain, where Yeshua crosses over the Yardain. Marvot Nachle Anron, wherein they were in Arvot Moab, and they crossed over the river of Arnon. Avne Algabish, Bimoreid Beit Choron, which the Gemara will discuss. These giant stones or hail that are in the descent of Beit Choron. The Evan Shibikesh, the Zrok Ogmach Bashan Israel. The rock that Ogmach Hashem wants to toss on Bnei Yisrael. Even Sheyeshav Alei Moshe B'Shash Asai Yoshua Milchomah B'Amalek, the stone on which Moshe sits when he tires, when he's holding his arms up, and the attack that Yoshua leads against the Amalek. B'Shtosh Alot, the wife of Lot, that turned into an Amud of Melach. B'Chomat Yericho Shnivla B'Mkomah, and the walls of Yericho that were swallowed up in place. In all of these cases, when you pass there, you have to give Shevach Voda to Hashem. Because these are places where miracles happen to B'nai Yisrael. So we know what the miracle is. And again, it seems to be that they knew where these locations were. They had some sense of where the Yam Suf was, but they crossed. Who were carrying their own stood in the dry area of in the middle of the Jordan River. Hachain, ready. And all B'nai Israel crossed in the dry land till the entire nation crossed and then afterwards the Kohanim exit and the waters come back to normal. What is the crossing of the Nachal Arnon? What is this miracle over here? We know what the miracle is by Yamsuf. We know what the miracle is when they crossed the Yardain. They're both of them split and allowed B'nai Israel to cross. What is the miracle of Nachlei Arnon? In all indictive, So this is part of the mashalim that are written in the Sefer Mechumot Hashem, and it says, Itvahev basufa. Tana, etvahev basufa. Shnei mitzoreim ayu. Et and vahev are two mitzoreim, two people that had nigaim, that were lepers, will translate loosely, that were in the back of Bnei Yisrael, basufa. Why are they in the back? Because they're not allowed to be in the Machane. When Bnei Israel were passing, the Amorim, the Amorites came, and they wanted to trap Bnei Israel. They made for themselves caves or clefts in the mountains. And they hid in them to ambush them. When Bnei Israel passed by, will attack them. They were going to pass through a canyon or some narrow area between the mountains that was by Nachal Arnon. And as they crossed through, they were going to attack them because they would be vulnerable in that situation. The Amorites were not aware of the fact that Israel, their own traveled in front of Bnei Israel and used to flatten out all the mountains so they didn't have to worry about any mountains. The Medjur says that all the mountains are flattened out, with the exception of three, that is Har Sinai, Har Ahar, and Har Nevo, each one of which has a significant event on it, the Kabbalat Torah, the burial place of Aaron, Kohen, and the burial place of Moshe. Otherwise, it flattened all the mountains out. So now it came here, came and dealt Aaron, and the Aaron came, Adbeku Turei Ba'adei Adodi. The mountains came together. In order to eliminate the canyon or the narrow space between them, it came and pressed the mountains together. Well, by pressing the mountains together, they fit together like hand and glove. And v'kadlinon, those projections on the one side went into the clefts on the other side, and they killed the Amorites that were standing out there. And their blood flowed down, meaning from all the killing that went on there, the blood flowed down into Nachal Arnon. 
Eten Vaev got to the Nachanon, Chazudama. They saw that there was blood, the Konofig Mi Beni Ture, it was coming out of the mountains, and it was flowing into Nachanon. Atu Vamehuli Yisrael. They reported their sightings to Bnei Yisrael. Rosh Hashanah, then Bnei Yisrael sang song, and Utichtiv, Ve'eshed Anichalim, Asher Natal Shevet Ar, Nishan Ligvul Moav. So the Eshed Anichalim, the Shefech, the pouring of the Nachal, and where the Nachal goes down, Shem Anichalanon, Asher Natal Shevet Ar, that moved or went to greet Ar, Ar referring to Moav, Nishan Ligvul Moav. And went over to the side of Moab. The description of the Shira is this movement of the mountain, the collapsing of the canyon, and because of that, it killed the Amorites that were found there. And they were singing Shira because the mountain had extended itself over into Eretz Moab, meaning that it had come together. And that's what Bnei Yisrael recognized the miracle that had taken place. Rashi Allah Torah brings the Midrash Chazal that says Ali Be'er Enula. That the Shira refers to the Be'er, because when the Be'er showed up, they had water from the Be'er, and in the Be'er they saw bones, and they saw human remains, and blood, and then that's when they had the Shira, different version of the Midrash, about how they became aware of the fact that this had transpired, but the Shira, according to both Midrashim, refers to a miracle that Hashem performed in defending Bnei Yisrael. Now, Avnei Agabish, what are these Avnei Agabish? My Avnei Agabish, Tana Avanim. Shamdu agabeish, viardu agabeish. Stopped because of one individual and came down because of another individual. Amdu agabeish. They stopped for one individual, Ze Moshe. Vichtiv aish Moshe anav miot. Moshe was the most humble of individuals. Vichtiv. Vichtulu akolot vabarad umatar loni tach arza. So this is talking about in Makat Barad when Pharaoh tells him he wants to stop. Moshe goes out and davens and the Barad stops. So the Medrash here in the Chazal explaining, What do you mean, Loni Tacharza? They didn't reach the ground. They stopped midway. They were suspended in the air. They didn't come down. Yodua Gavish, when did they come down? Ze Yoshua Dechtiv. Yoshua bin Nun, Ish Asher Moshe, you should take Yeshua Binun because he's the man who has the spirit of God with him and he will be your successor. When they were running away from Bnei Israel, this is talking about in Yeshua Yud when they're fighting in Canaan. They were on the descent of Beit Choron. Hashem throws upon them, descends from the heavens with these great stones. The idea being those stones that were suspended and stopped midway from Moshe were released by Yeshua. Yeshua being the protege, the continuum, the successor of Moshe, where it says it's like one. Moshe stops them, Yeshua releases them. And so those same stones or barad, hail that were stopped midway were then dropped by Yeshua in protection of Yeshua when they are succeeding in the battle and everyone's riding away and they're fleeing that the Avanim catch up with them in order to stop those that are fleeing or to catch up with those that are fleeing. Even Shibikesh Ogmelech Hashem is rock Al Israel. This great stone or rock, Ogmelech Hashem wants to toss them in Israel. Gemara Gemira. First of all, it's not a pasuk. They say right away, this is a misora. So Amar Machanei Israel Kamahava. How big is Machanei Israel? This is Ogmelech Hashem speaking to himself. Flat aparse. It's three parts old. The Gemara discusses in other places because in Sefer Dvarim it says that Bnei Israel camped Barmo Moav. And in camping at Marvah Obamav, it says, And Rabbi Rechana says, I saw those two locations, and they are three parsot apart. That's how the Gemara knows that the Machanei Israel was three parsot. 
And we know that they encamped in a square, circular form, so that means that it was three parsa by three parsa was Machane Yisrael. says, I'm going to uproot a mountain that is three parsaot wide at its base. He says, I'm going to go do that, and I'll throw it on them. Shabik Talino, and I'll kill Bnei Yisrael. Azal Akartura, he goes ahead, picks up a mountain. Bartlata Parsev, I tell Reshe, he's bringing it on his head. He has to carry it somehow. He's carrying it on his head. Ba'ayti Kuchabrichu, Alei Kamtei. Gaish Baruch brought in the ants, the special workers. Benakvua, and they basically cut a hole in the middle. Benachet Betzavrei, and it fell down on his neck. Because he's carrying it on his head. They basically chew out the middle, and it falls down. Around his neck now. Have a Bible, Mishlef. So now he wants to push it off. You know, it's around his neck. He wants to push it over his neck now. Over his head. Mashche shine. His teeth grew long. The high gisa, the high gisa in each direction. The little Mishlef. It blocked him from taking him out. So his teeth became like fangs coming out. And they locked it in place. And that's what it says in the Pasuk. Shine rishayim shibarto. The teeth of the rishayim you broke. To Rabbi Shimon Lokish. No way Rabbi Shimon Lokish learns this. I'm Rabbi Shimon Lokish. My dictiv shine rishayim shibarto. Don't rate it as shibarta that you broke, but rather shirafta, which is to extend or to grow long. He reinterprets the word not to be to break, but rather to extend. And that's what it means over here, that the teeth of the rush extended in order to lock him in place. Moshe Kamaavo. How tall was Moshe? Esseramot. He was ten amot tall. That is because the walls of the Mishkan were ten amot high. And the Torah says that Moshe put up the walls of the Mishkan himself. Shakil Narga Barasaramin. He took a hatchet that was ten amot tall. Shavar Esaramin. He jumps ten amot. Machia bekursulei bekatlei. And he hits his call it heel ankle and kills Ugmelech Habashan. So this is one of the good examples where it's hard to take the story literally. In other places in Shas, we've discussed this in the stories of Rabbi Barchan and Baba Batra and other locations about how the Rishonim dealt with Agadatah and people who take stories in Agadatah literally. Many of the Rishonim believe that a person who does so is a fool and that's an incorrect way to approach this. These stories are taught in school. Many people believe them to be literal and the way that it happened. And it's clear here that these are Mashalim, that these are stories that are supposed to be dis- Descriptive, but not of the story, but of events or hints at something that's greater. And over here, there is, you can give some insight to this. What is Karsulachal Ogmelech Habashan? We know from other places that Moshe Rabbeinu feared Ogmelech Habashan because Ogmelech Habashan, the measure says, was by Palit. He was the one who came to inform Abraham of the capture of Lot. So he had that zchut, even though he did it for bad intentions. Nevertheless, that zchut. So when we talk about where Moshe hit him, it's Bikar Suley. He hit him in the heel or in the ankle, in the place that was the Makoma Mitzvah, the place that was his strong point. Moshe Rabbeinu Eser, the number 10 with Moshe Rabbeinu was not surprising. He brought down the Eser Luchot, he brought down the Ten Commandments, he built the Mishkan that was Eser Amotai, and he also went through with Bnei Israel, through the Eser Nisnayonot. I mean, there are many multiples of 10, Eser Makot and Mitzrayim, Moshe has gone through many things that are Esam. And that could be the reference over here to Moshe Rabbeinu, the number 10, being significant to Moshe Rabbeinu, because Moshe Rabbeinu leads Bnei Israel through many events that we include the number 10. And once again here, he leads them through the battle with Ugmelech HaBashan. So here you can see that it's allegorical, the story, not taken literally, and that there is much more meaning in the allegory of the story than there is in taking it literally. And as many of the Rishonim say, you make it into Chok Tvuva. Make it into a joke. You make the Torah a joke if you take it literally. People are going to hear this and say, what type of joke this is? This never happened. This can't be. And therefore, one has to be careful when they deal with the Gadotah. 
about what exactly the Agadat is doing, whether it really should be taken literally, or really it's more of an allegory, and then how to deal with that allegorical meaning through the Agadat. Veven sheyashav aleha Moshe, the stone on which Moshe seated himself, tichtev, v'yedei Moshe kvedim, Moshe's arms get heavy when he's holding them up, so that b'nei Yisrael can be victorious with Amalek. Vayichu even, vayasimu tachtav, they take a stone and they put it under him, v'yashav aleha and he sat on it. V'yishto shalot, the wife of Lot, Shnemar batabet ishto me'achorav, v'yati nitziv melach. She looked backwards when the stone was being destroyed. She turned into a pillar of salt. And the walls of Yericho that were swallowed up. That the wall fell down. So the Gemara is going to explain all this. All of them are miracles. We understand. Ella, like Arya said, Ishto Shabbat. Puranuto. What type of miracles? Is something negative? Why would you make a brach on that? Damar baruch dayan emet. So the first suggestion of Damar is that you make it baruch dayan emet. Somebody died here. You make a brach on the ra'ah that happened, the paranut that happened here. Vaha hoda'a b'shevach tani. That bright that began with you have to give shevach v'odal Hashem. So it sounds to me that there was some sort of equivalence drawn with all these cases. Now it's true that baruch dayan emet is also hoda, but I wouldn't call that hoda b'shevach. That has much more of a positive tone to it. So it's nay alot ba'alishto mivarchim. That when you see the Nitziv melach, you know that's where Lot escaped from stone. So you make the bracha there because you're making it on both of them. Rachim Shaim, Alishto Omer Baruch Dayan Amet. His wife, you say Baruch Dayan Amet. Valot Omer Baruch Zucheret HaTzadikim. Shem who remembers the Tzadikim. Amar Rabbi Yochan, Afil B'Shat Kasushal, Kodesh Baruch Zucheret HaTzadikim. Even when God is angry, he remembers his righteous. Shinamar. When God destroys the cities of the plain, and there are four cities that are destroyed. Five were supposed to be destroyed. Lot requests that one of them not be destroyed. So are. So we see that Hashem remembers Abraham is tzaddik and he sends Lot out. So therefore, we make a two brachot when you see the Nitziv HaMelech. One about those that survived and one about the one who was left behind. So therefore we make Baruch Dayanemet as well as Ocher at Tzadikim. Right, he was told about the miracles. He was told about it. Right, it's a response. I think what the example, or the paradigm that's set out by Yitro is, what is the proper response to miracle? So obviously, if one experiences miracle, then the proper response is shavuot boda. One who hasn't experienced the miracle, the only one they can come back or quote-unquote re-experience it is to go to the location where the miracle was. So I think that that is a way to have a return to the state where you're in a miracle. Yitro is hearing about what just happened to B'nai Yisrael. I mean, as if the miracle has just transpired. So in that case also, there was an obligation of B'nai Yisrael to give bracha. There's an obligation, and Yitro says the bracha right in that context of the miracles just transpiring. One experiences a miracle, they should give bracha to Hashem right away. The reliving of that miracle or the re-experiencing of that miracle is only when you come back to that location. Sometimes it could be a date. Sometimes it could be a, a specific date on the calendar. That is true. That cities did have that. Or even in Bayit Shani, Megillah Tanit deals with certain dates that were special. In that case, they did celebrate. They did something extra to Hashem. So there is that concept on the calendar that their calendrical date that is special that that could be true as well. But there has to be some sort of demarcation of the re-experience. It can't be that you just say the bracha willy-nilly. There has to be some connection to the original miracle. So you can connect with the miracle in one of two ways. Either, again, come back to that same location, or you come back to that same date. I think that's what the Gemara is trying to learn out of from Yitro. Okay, now, Chomot Yericho Shnivla'ah, the wall of Yericho that was swallowed up. Chomot Yericho Nivla'ah, what do you mean it was swallowed up? Ha'nafla, Shnemar, Ba'yikishma Ahmed Kola Shofar, Ba'yiriwa'am, when they heard the Kola Shofar, the nation, they scream, Chiragadola, Make a loud scream, and then the wall will fall. Tipo means to fall over. 
Ah, so you say the word tafta, which is what the Gemara is going to focus on. Even the puchi of Rumaki the Ninu, the wall of Yericho was so thick that its height and its width were equal. But when your height and width are equal, you can't fall down. Right? Falling down imp- implies that there's some sort of height that's not in the width, and therefore you can topple over. But if your height and width are the same, you, you can't topple, you can only collapse. So while it collapsed and it disappeared, the wall wasn't there anymore, the only way that is, Mishamachi Yivlai Bluye. The only way for it to get out of the way was to be Takteha, to fall underneath it, to be swallowed up. But now we move on to what we as otherwise is known as Birkat Gomel. And in Birkat Gomel it says, Amar of Yehuda, Amar Av, Arba Tzrichim Le'odot. There are four people that are required to give Odal Hashem. Yodayayam, Ochemid Barot, those seafarers, those that travel through the desert. Mishayach Olevin, it's Repesam, who's sick and gets well. Cured, Tosafot points out, what it means to get sick means, Nafal Mishkav, you're bedridden. It's not that you have a headache. It's not that something, you know, small like that. It's something where you're bedridden. Mishayach Abushved Beit someone who's incarcerated. So all of these are four things that are mentioned. The Gemara is about to do this. is going to be in Tehilim, in Perak Kuf Zayin. Tehilim has a refrain. It says that one has to be, Hodul Hashem Kitov Kilulam Chasto. Give thanks to Hashem because His Chesed is always... And then the Perak in Tehilim goes through a number of items. Which is, first of all, Yomru Gulei Hashem, Asher Ga'alam Yadzar. Someone who got lost in the Midbar, Dara. They found no settled city. They're hungry, they're thirsty. They're holding on to their souls for dear life. And they are afflicted. They call out to Hashem that He should save them from their depths, from their danger. That so he make their way proper and they'll end up in a civilized city. So he took care of those that were lost, that they were hungry, they were thirsty. So the refrain that's going to come up again and again in this parakatilim is Give thanks to Hashem for its chesed. But it's after, They call out to Hashem to save them. And the refrain is going to happen four times. And those are the four events. What I just read to you was the first of those events, which is getting lost in the Midbar, being in the desert. The Rishonim point out over here, Ratoso points out over here, that the Gemara lists them in a different order than they're found in the Psukim. Over here, if you look at Rabbi Yudah's statement, he starts with, Seafarers first. The Parakantilim starts with those that are traveling through the desert. So why is there a difference? The Rav Haigon, in his gifts, it's brought down here, you can see in the Ein Mishpat, in the example of Haigon, to be crossed to him, what's found in the puzzle is what's most common. And as in the Gemara, listen by Sakana. So if you own the Tosvot, and you have to look in Tosvot, Tosvot says, the Nakra Nakat Seder Mesukanim Yoter Tchilad, the Pasukim go by the most dangerous, and then the Gemara Nakat Mitsuyum Tchilad, Moshchiach. So he has the exact opposite Girsa of what the Rav Haigon has. Faigon says that the psukim are listed by the most common, and the Gemara is listing them by the danger, and Tosvet has the exact opposite way. He says the psukim are leading out by the danger, and the Gemara is leading out by the most common. So you have them go through. By the way, it happens here, the refrain happens four times. And then in the end, the Perak ends with something very special, and this is Perak Tehilim, that is read by many on Yom Ha'atzma'ot. And the question why has to do with exactly this, which is Hodul Hashem Kitov Kilam Chasto, which is giving thanks to Hashem, which is what the day of Yom Ha'atzma'ot is about. Whether you say Halal, don't say Halal, whether you believe in the Medina, don't believe in the Medina, there's a very, very basic principle, which is that you have to give thanks to Hashem. 
That when Hashem grants you something that's amazing, that you have to say thank you. And so that, at minimum, that's what people have to do, is say thank you to Hashem for granting us Eretz Yisrael. How that manifests itself, okay. But at least recognize that Hashem did something miraculous. I think that should be the minimum standard for everybody. What exactly you do, Allah, that's a, a different story. But the reason that we read this, Perakint Ilim, is because of the way it ends. You should praise Him, Bikalam. Amongst a multitude, and later the Gemara will learn from that, you have to do this in front of ten. Because a Gomel has to be done in front of ten, because there's Bikalam. And Kal is ten. Umashavs kenim yaluluhu. And in the presence of this kenim, you'll praise him. Again, the Gemara learns that you have to have two Tomei Dechachamim. Yaseim neharot lemidbar. Umotzeimayim litzimaon. Eretz prilem lecha. Meirat yushveiba. A land that had lecha, was salty, that didn't give forth fruit from the evilness of its inhabitants. But then there will come a time... The same midbar la'agamayim. The deserts will flow with water. The eretziyal mayim, and the dry lands will now become springs. Yushem sham re'evim, and those that are hungry will live there. Yichonu ne'ir moshav, and they will settle the land. Vizru sadot, they will plant fields. Vitu kramim, and they will plant vineyards. Vyasu pritvua, vyivarchem vyirbu ma'od. Hashem will bless them, and they will multiply. Ubeimtam lo yamit, and their animals will not become smoimar. Vyimatu vyashochu. And they'll be saved, and the bad will diminish. Again, you see what did they end? You know, there are four things that are mentioned in the in this tilim, and then there's a fifth thing. And the fifth thing is that they will return home, and when they return home, then the land will burst forth with their fruit, and will give, and the desert will turn to water. That needs no explanation for what happened here when Ben Israel returned to Eretz Israel. But that's what happens. People saw the Kuv Zayin as being a Perak Tilim where you can give Odav HaShemach Hashem, but also relating to the event that transpired. The resettlement of Eretz Yisrael and the bringing forth of fruit from the desert and trees and growth and the things that before were dry. Now, we'll just run through this because and we, we explained it, but now the Gemara is going to quote all these Pesukim that came from there. It says, Your day, Yam, how do you know about your day, Dam, How do you know that? Because Midichtiv, over here in the Pesukim, it says, Your day, Yam, Be'amriot. Those that go into the sea. So, Osem lachav amayim rabim. Heima rasu masay Hashem. They see the hand of God. The Omer rabim. Amed huach sarah. Utramem galav. There were storms. High waves. Yalu shamayim yadu tehamot. They went up to the skies. Down to the depths. Nafsham barat itmogag. Their hearts melted. Yachogu v'yanuk shikor. They're shaking around like a drunkard. Hochach matam tithbala. And all their wisdom is gone. I mean, it was swallowed. It's okoel Hashem b'tzar lehem again. Umetzukudayam yotziyem. So again, Hashem saves them. They call out to Hashem to save them. And what happens? Yakim se'ara l'dmama. Makes the storm quiet. Yachashu galahem. And the waves settle down. And they were celebrating when it's quieted down. He brought them to their destination. You do, Hashem chastok, niftol tav, libnei adam. You have to give praise to Hashem for that. Hochem midbarot, minalan diftiv, which is the one that we read, the first one, which is, Toba midbar bishimon, derechir moshav lo matzau, v'yitzaku al Hashem, v'yedrichem b'derech yishra, you do, Hashem chastok. Here they gave a summary of it. Then we have, mishichalav initrapeh, someone who was sick, and then was cured. So over there, the psukim say, diftiv, they will want anything to eat. They reach the doors of death. 
He'll send his word and cure them. And they will survive from their destruction. So again here, the idea being that a person is sick, and that's why Tosvot says they have to be bedridden. The way the Pesukim described it over here is that they reached the Shari Mavet. And that's the type of sickness that we're talking about. We're not talking about regular cold or a little bit of a headache. We're talking about something that's serious. And then, they bring Korbanot Tova, and they talk about Hashem's Masim. The idea here of giving Gemul to Hashem is that not only do you thank Hashem, but you publicize what He did for you. That's part of giving thanks to Hashem, is also making it known that Hashem provided and protected you and took care of you. And the last one is Misha Surim, someone who is incarcerated, which is the second one that's mentioned in the Psukim over here, which is Yoshvei Choshech Vitzalmavit, those that are sitting in darkness, in death, Asirei Aniu Brazel, that are bound with iron chains, Kiimru Imrekel, because they went against the word of God, Batzat Elyon Naatsu, and they rejected the advice of God, Bechnaba Malibam, and now they've become humble, and they have subjugated themselves. Kashluv Enozer. But now they've tripped and there's no one to help them. They call out to God. Damn Yoshim Hashem will save them from their depths, their despair. Take them out of darkness and death. And he'll break their bonds. So those are what are described here in the Psukim inside of Perakhov Sayin. In Tilim. Says the Bracha is Baruch Gomel Chasidim Tovim. You see over here the Aleph of the Gra. He says the Girsa should be Hagomel the Chayvim Tovoch, Gomlani Kotov, which is the Girsa of the Griff and the Rush, and that's what we use for Arabic at the Gomel, which is the Gomel the Chayvim Tovoch, Gomlani Kotov. You have to say before 10, I read you the Pasuk before, that they elevated him, they exalted him, Bikalam. In front of a multitude. A kahal is a multitude. We just saw that before. When bimakhelot, baruchu at Hashem. With the multitudes, you have to give bracha to Hashem. You have to change the bracha, birkat amazon, birkat zimun, when there's a kahal. Makhelot can be at least a minimum of ten. Masut Yermar would train me now Rabbanan. Two of those ten have to be Rabbanan, Shinemar. Umoshav zikinim yalulu. In the presence of the zikinim, he will give praise to them. So you need zikinim is a minimum of two. Shmashav zikinim yalulu. Matkivarvashi beimakulu Rabbanan. Why do you have to say all of them be Rabbanan? Mikti bikal zikinim. It doesn't say bikal zikinim, it says bikalam. It says kalam, which means the regular um. Ve'ema be'asara sharama betray Rabbanan. Let's say it's a total of twelve. You need ten from the am and then two from the zikinim. Kasha. It's a good question. Are you the chalash? You became ill? Ve'it pach. And he became well. He recovered from that illness. Alagabei Rabbi Chana Bagta. Came to him Rabbi Chana from... Bagta, Baghdad. That's exactly what Rashi says here. Shemi wrote Baghdad. Today is called Baghdad. He are ira chashuva shibavavel mishchava bavel. That is the major city since the fall of the called the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire. Baghdad is the central city, which was true even till today. It says it was a very large city. There was a Jewish community there until the rise of Saddam Hussein. There was a Jewish community in Baghdad for all the years. Rabbanan Amrilei Brich Rachmana Diavini Elach Beloyevach Lafra. So the Rabbanan made the bracha. Bracha Hashem, you gave you back to us and then put you into the ground. I mean, that there were two possibilities of the outcome here. Either you're going to be buried in the ground, turned to the dust of the earth, or you came back to us. So Baruch Hashem, that you came back to us and didn't end up in the dust of the earth. You made me patur now. I don't have to say Birkat Gomel anymore. It says, Vahamar Abaye Bayoduye Bapi Asara. Does he have to do it in front of ten people? The Gemara says, Abu Asara. There were ten people here. Ten of his Tamidim came. What about him? He has to say it. 
that he answers Amen to it, which is somewhat of a controversy whether you can have someone say Birkat Gomel on your behalf, which is not so clear that a person can say Birkat Gomel on behalf of someone else. Usually if the person themselves who has experienced it has to say the Birkat Gomel, it's not clear that you could say Birkat Gomel on behalf of someone else. So I'll just do a little, two more lines and then we'll go Amar Yehuda. Shloshat Tzvichim Shimor. Three people need extra guarding. Ve'elohen. These are the Cholet, someone who's sick. Katan vikala. With Chole, as Rashi points out, is because Shorah Mazlo. You know, he's down on his luck. Things aren't going so well. The reason he's sick is because things aren't going well. You need extra shimur to protect them, to ward off other bad things from happening to him. The Chatan and Kala are on the opposite side. Which the Chatan and Kala are at the pinnacle of their excitement, their happiness. So the Satan and others are looking to get in there, to ruin it. So therefore they need shimur. We have a bride that says, So you add in one extra one. Here's Chaya, as a woman has just given birth. Again, she's in a dangerous predicament. So she needs Shmirah because she's already down. Things are not going so well right now. Which would fit into that same category of Avel, Chaya, and Chodeh. Even at night, that is somewhat problematic because we saw earlier in the Mesechta when it came to when it came to saying the Psukim in one's bed, so they should have Shmirah, over there the Gemara says that Tamidi Chamin do not need to, because they are always learning their Girsah, and therefore they are protected. So the Rebbeinu Yonah back on the Abdalad in the Gemara says, over there, that by Tamidi Chamin their Girsah protects them. What our Gemara is referred to is when they go alone, that they go out at night alone, in the dark, in bad places. You know, that they're in a position where there are a lot of things going against them at that point in time. At that point in time, then they need Shmirah. It's not enough that they are Begir Sutam. It will stop here.